0: oh i remember now you guys fought something yeah and you just stood back you got okay my character has one motivation is to see his fish my finger is like no
1: there's so much blood what did i need this notebook for everyone's favorite part of the podcast right did we tell you that you needed a notebook no <laughs> All Yeah. Right. okay right. All
0: right i see now, you now hang on a you. second hang on <laughs> a second i started off as a raccoon welcome to the right around podcast a chance to step away from our own notebooks and into another's. My name is Steve, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Cade and Julie. Cade, what are we talking about today?
1: Steve, today we're doing something a little different. We get the pleasure of a fourth member of the podcast today, a guest, Ryan. Say hi, Ryan. Hello! He's um, a friend of ours. We've done a few different D&D campaigns together, and Ryan and myself actually are doing another podcast called Not Three Bad, which is a movie reviewing podcast. And today we're doing a discussion about creative writing, except not necessarily in the theme that we've talked about in most of our other episodes. So rather than talking about short stories and novels that we're working on, we're just talking about other elements of creative writing, probably mostly in the form of D&D ta- discussion, but we might kind of get a few other things thrown in there that we've worked on creatively in the past. So Julie, you're always our question master. Why don't you get us started.
2: All right. So, the first thing we're going to talk about today is going to be how would you create a storyline where you don't necessarily know what the characters will be doing, such as how D&D works. So, we'll start with Ryan, since you're our guest today. Uh, sure. Take it away. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Um, it's all about like setting up bones, you know. You want to structure, and then you want to kind of let the characters play in the space. So, like for instance, uh, you know, campaign we're playing right now. Uh, me, Cade, Steve, and another friend, Eric. Uh, I did not anticipate peasant rebellions across the countryside and that type of thing. But here we are. You know, Steve uh, has incited some unrest, and it's been pretty fun. So yeah, I mean, the the bones were there. I put some unhappy peasants. I put a you know a slightly oppressive government, and this is uh this is what I reap from the seeds I sowed.
1: <laughs> Just got kind of to follow up, just because I think that we probably will be talking a lot about the campaign you're currently running, Ryan. Could you just maybe for us just introduce the 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 bones of that story? Like your kind of intro pitch prior to us entering it that you've had kind of initially envisioned when you got to the writing board there.
3: Sure, sure. So uh, it's the, the world of Alara. Um, it's mainly dominated by Religious fanatics in the form of paladin orders and that type of thing. Um there's a pretty simple monotheistic view here where you have one good God and sort of like a devil, an antagonistic uh, evil in the world. For the most part, uh, it's it's all about serving that light. And I kind of put our characters into a position where they didn't necessarily have a whole lot of reason to come together, but, uh, you know, keeping them sort of on the rails I wanted, and now we're slowly diverging from that, uh, like in the way of, you know, the whole Peasant Rebellion thing and kind of freeing them to the countryside now.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. We are now just three assholes who are kind of gone into your playground of the world you created.
3: Yeah, it took a little bit of, uh, like I say, you don't want to keep your players on rails for too long because um, then it does kind of just you know, it turns into me railroading you guys into a story, and basically, you become my playthings. You know, so now uh, freedom is a big part of that now, and we'll see what happens.
2: So, would you say that you maybe come up with a certain amount of maybe like ways that it could go? Like, I know you said that you didn't expect to have peasant rebellions, but was that like when you were planning the bones of it? Were you like, this could happen? Or did you just kind of not think too much about the past?
3: It's one of those things where I didn't expect. Expect it to happen per se, um, but it was definitely an option. I mean, you don't just put unhappy peasants and oppressive governments together for no reason. But you know, it, it definitely took some doing to get to the point where we're kind of uh, like on a tra- trajectory for now. It's almost like a like improv, like improv comedy to a to an extent. You know, it's you want to bounce things off the players and. You know, recently uh, they've kind of split up a little bit in their like most recent session. And that's probably the best way to really get movement going as far as the characters go with interacting with the story. It's one thing for the three of them to, you know, constantly be working as a party and kind of bouncing off of each other. But now that we uh, can kind of split them up a little bit, I can have more interactive moments with them where I can kind of say, here's this, show me what you want to do to it. And then further on down the line, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe I'll come up with something three days after the session, 10 days after the session, we might pay off on something. One of them said, you know, a month or two from now.
2: Right. I guess that's true. Cause you're not really making the whole story up front. You're kind of working on it every week, right? Before you do your session.
3: Exactly. Like I have, I have an idea of where the things are going to go. But as far as each session, um, it's more of a fine tuning to what happened last time, and sort of keeping them on track, but at the same time seeing what you know what happens.
1: And for DMing too, so so Ryan's DM'd. I mean, I've also DM'd, I guess, two campaigns now, neither of which I've actually gotten to a concluding point. And Steve has DM'd, and Julie, you've thought of DMing. So I, I guess that's something that's interesting, and what you're talking about, Ryan, where you kind of. You see the consequences that happen in the episode, and you kind of plan what happens next looking at that. I I know you have, and I'm sure you have a general kind of story. Like, your campaign actually started with a a glimpse of the end kind of thing. So we're... Exactly. There's a point. There's a point that we're going towards. And you're kind of just letting us choose how we get there, I guess. And we don't even have any inclination as to... That's not even on the field yet. Like, it's basically you have this dragon who I think you named Gishunk.
3: Yeah, you guys haven't met the antagonist yet, and you're not even anywhere close to meeting uh, that dragon. But yeah, it, it's one of those fun things to. It's a pretty. I don't know. It's kind of a crappy trick that they use in movies a lot. Of hey, I bet you're wondering how I got here. But it seemed like a fun little way to start the uh, you know D and D campaign because oh, for the most part it's always hey welcome to this tavern. You're a bunch of Joe schmoes who don't know each other. Uh, go ahead and try and make it not seem awkward. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think that's solid because we've talked about that in previous episodes about how we like to start stories off like kind of in the thick of some action to get everybody hooked in. So yeah, I definitely like that approach.
0: Yeah, it's also very interesting because it does tie into things we've talked before in the podcast where character development kind of shapes the development of the story. Well, what if you're not in charge of the character development? So like, how does that impact things going forward? Like, okay, when you're creating a character, they change in ways you don't expect. And like, so your story kind of responds to that. What if your friend is just being kind of like a dick, and they're persistently antagonizing the people of the world, and so now that's like a active force that you have to kind of incorporate into your story and stuff like that? You you speak like this has happened to you, Steve. I think I think my character in Ryan's campaign, at least in the instances of that we're speaking of, of the peasant rebellion, completely in the right. Everyone else is like, "How dare you enlighten these peasants to how bad their conditions are?" I'm like, "Curious Max, like, curious dull spy or did nothing wrong."
3: Well, Curious Dulspire might have gotten a whole lot of peasants killed, but you know, oh, that's you
0: know. The- oh, old no. saying better to die, you know, standing than live kneeling or something like that.
3: I mean, I guess. But the fun part in D&D as a DM, like if your player really does get too unruly, you, you could kill him. You know, it's 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 an option. It's on the table. Sure. But of course, you know, the the thing is you really do hope for the characters to kind of Buy what you're selling and kind of buy into the world. And so far, I, th- I think you guys kind of have, and I, it's been really fun seeing um these looser visions of characters kind of come together into a super cohesive unit. But at the same time, you all kind of rub each other the wrong way sometimes, and you butt heads, and it, it, it's been really fun to see.
1: I kind of have a question for, I guess, like you, Steve, because mm-hmm. we're we've played a few different D and D campaigns, and I think the one that we're doing with Ryan right now has been kind of one of, like, the most developed, I think, in terms of our characters and, like, the world that we're playing in. Yeah. We are, you know, we're doing character voices. Mm -hmm. We are, like, I'm really seeing some, like, in terms of role-playing that we've done. Yeah. Like, definitely the best that we've done yet.
0: Yeah. I think later on we're doing a segment specifically on characters, right, Julie? Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into that more because I do have, like, comments on, like, comparing, like, Curious to, like, uh, there's in my mind there's two characters. I've only played like three characters with like this group of people. There was uh soap scum. There was curious, and there was Ben. Vin- uh, oh, I guess yeah. I was thinking of uh, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it right now.
2: Let's, uh if we want to start wrapping up this section? Do you guys with uh, Kate and Steve? Since do you have any or other thoughts about? Because you guys have been DM'd. I haven't really DM'd yet, so I'll let you guys kind
1: of... Yeah,
0: Kay, do you want to go first, and then I'll go into, like, my DMing style, like, what that was like?
1: Yeah, sure. I think, um, my DMing style is I like to take a look at the characters that everybody is playing, and I want to try to move the story based on those characters. The first time we really got into D&D was a campaign that I DM'd, and we were so introductory to the, the hobby that... There was a lot of learning, it was completely homebrewed. So every level up, everything that happened was something that I designed. And you know, it was clunky in that way, but I think we had a lot of fun, but everybody was kind of learning what it even means to like role play a character. So I think as we kind of look and maybe we compare some of the characters that we played in some of those early episodes, how we kind of envisioned them and created them and how they developed to later characters that we played later. And, you know, with any any D&D like nerds or fans that are listening to this right now are going to know that your future characters just get like batshit crazy compared to the original ones you go to. I definitely feel like I kind of thrive in the environment where I can really look at the characters that people want to play and people want to try to tell the stories of and kind of like lean into that, like let them explore and let them make the choices. And I like to do a lot of like flashback sequences to like things that we never actually did in the campaign, but things that in their character's backstory was something they had mentioned to me. And it gets tough when they start to make the decisions that don't make sense. Like, the big one in the campaign that I was just hosting was with uh, uh, Dumorn's character, who was pitched as this warlock who has, like, a patron, and the patron ends up being the main antagonist. It's Brahm, and I think I talked about him in a past episode, as this um, demonic god who basically, like... I don't know, enslaves, I guess is the right word. Um, the whole party into doing his bidding. And he was supposed to be like Do Mourn's like chief god in this like almost like exciting opportunity for him. And he at every turn did the opposite of what he should do in it. And that made it tough to tell the story. And you kind of get to the point of like, at what point do the actions really start to have to have consequences? Am I telling a story for the point of trying to tell this like great dramatic story? Or are we just fucking around and just trying to like have fun? And what's the balance between it as trying to do a long D&D campaign? I, I really want it to build into something more like I like when I can have those moments that touch on a seriousness to it. And there's no more of like a butt to the joke, but you're finally seeing a culmination to the, you know, the fuckery that this character has done for the entire time that we've been playing is now like seen in like a touching light. I think uh,
3: a good payoff on that was uh, one of the more recent sessions we did before we, we wrapped up your, you know, your last campaign, Cade, where um, my character saw his father in that little dream sequence. And it, it, it's the kind of thing where I think you do such a phenomenal job with those dream sequences. And, I you know, it, it was on both of us to recognize, all right, let's let's do this in a, like a really touching matter. And then, I don't know, I was like, oh, God, Cade's my dad. I can see him. <laughs> but it it was, it was really cool to, you know, have a more serious moment because yeah, a lot of, you know, home games for D and D kind of rely on the wacky, crazy shit that's going on. But every now and then it's cool to see that little emotional payoff.
1: Yeah. And that was something fun. That was, you know, probably 30 to 40 episodes in to a campaign. And, you know, Ryan was not kind of cued into that scene beforehand. It was just kind of like started to develop as I was making it. And, Something that's so like when you get the players who get really invested into the story and can really fall into that kind of like role playing category where you can have a scene like that and it can turn into a serious moment that is really a cool storytelling element that you can do when you're kind of in an environment where you're creating it together.
2: Yeah, so let's wrap up with Steve. So Steve, it seems to me like your campaigns might be a little contrasting to what Kate is just talking about because you have a lot of story. in your Yeah, campaign.
0: like my campaign was very much like especially seeing as how like a lot of the foundation of the campaign was based off of like story ideas I've already had. It was very much like you guys are just like people I threw in to kind of get the story going along but you were not like you're like my campaign I believe was very railroady compared to like the campaigns of like Ryan's and Ks you guys being the players you guys can probably speak to that like more than I can but from my, the sense I got I was like, I had like story beats I already had planned out from, like, even before we had decided we were actually going to officially do the campaign. I was like, this is the story that's going to be presented. They're going to go here, here, here. In between, there were areas where we definitely had a lot of improv and stuff back and forth. But, uh, there wasn't, like, a lot of instances where you guys took actions and it, like, had a giant drastic effect on how the campaign fundamentally ended. The, like, story went where I wanted it to go. It was fun telling, like, the way that you guys interacted with it, but I very much was like, this is what I want to have happen, and that's kind of what happened. But what, I guess, like, what was your guys' perspective kind of playing in that kind of campaign that was a little bit more railroad-y?
3: Um, I, I would say I never really felt super railroaded in your campaign. I think there, there are times when you can see the story that's being put in front of you, but I never felt like, all right, Steve is playing my character for me. That, that, that's the thing where you always want to avoid as a dm like y- y- you don't want to make it seem like you're the one just kind of driving the action you know i i think you know having story beats is all part of the
0: bones man yeah that's true i think you did a very good job there were times where i was i thought i had laid breadcrumbs they were like okay they're definitely going to do this i remember one scene specifically i don't know if you guys remember it was right before you guys met guruman i believe was his name the uh the wizard that was protecting the king of kandara from awakening and i was okay this way is kind of being closed off because there's a giant like ravaging like a rampaging disease that's a, creating a quarantine zone and then there's another road that goes towards this town that's a little off the beaten path and you guys are like oh i guess we're traveling through the quarantine zone and i was like okay and so i had before i had like started the campaign i had like individual ideas for like what was happening in different towns and so if you guys did ever encounter those towns i'd be like this is what it's going to look like so i had like things in my back pocket that i could pull from i was like okay if you guys want to go into the town that's being infected by red rot you're going to encounter red rot but uh you know it wasn't like they didn't get to explore too much because there's very much like the game was like you're pushing up against a literal invisible
1: wall because we're like putting up magical barriers to protect like the spread of this disease you know I do remember that episode very clearly. I was I remember actually it was probably one of the funniest episodes we've played of D&D. I remember crying laughing at one point cuz like <laughs> yeah. we were like bubble boys at one point like, oh, yeah. it, it got very wild. Um, yeah. but discussing more on uh, the original question there of do I do we feel like you railroaded us? I, I think you cuz we've talked about this in the past before and I know you've said you always feel like you've kind of railroaded you like RDM kind of railroaded the campaign. Like the only thing you really did in that way Was literally just the story. Like from episode one, you said you have to go here. And then from there, you have to go here. We were doing this like triangular path almost. Yeah. But the travel aspect of it really never felt railroaded. Like, I guess in the sense that we are somewhat traveling in a linear path. Like, we just had a quest that you gave us. And that was a quest that we embarked on for the entire time we played your campaign. I don't really think we needed to. You know, get a new separate campaign to try to cure red rot or whatever Uh, side plots.
0: Yeah, yeah. in my mind, it seems real already because like we hit every story beat that I wanted to hit. It was kind of like driven. Like you'd be in a town, a large event would happen that kind of like move you guys forward. And so I never let you guys just kind of like hang out at a town for like a while or something. You know, like it never was like organically. Okay, it's probably time we move on. It was always like there's, like, an approaching threat and, like, oh, they attacked us or, oh, we have to make it to this place before time runs out, for example. Like, you guys, like, always ended up at cities because you were kind of, like,
1: driven forward to that city. You know what I mean? That That's definitely true. And I guess I, I don't really think our campaigns super differentiate from that. Like, oh. there's definitely a a quest. Or Like, in mine, I think it was smaller missions. Like, you guys mm. basically turned into, like, hitmen in my campaign for people who worshiped another god and that was your mission like i kind of set you loose into the city and i said i guess i want to talk about this at some point in today's episode but i kind of i ended up having some kind of like i don't know i felt kind of like i did a bad job at the end of my D campaign and i thought i kind of like lost the reins and i think one of the biggest downsides on it is we played with such a large party in my yeah. campaign yeah sure and
0: Let's pick that up during off the papyrus. Let's make a note of like, yeah, I like yeah definitely. Yeah,
1: but I think that's
0: uh, but I want to get Julian on the conversation. Let's go move on to the. Yeah, next I'll just do
2: a final point, and then we'll move on because we're good. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that for me, I like to follow the storyline of like really anything I'm doing, whether it's like you know a video game I'm playing or like a show or or like D and D. So I kind of like that you had like a really solid storyline that you were kind of purposefully telling us throughout the whole entire thing because I just think it's. Like it's interesting to me to be able to follow a story and everything, have those aspects. So, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. Either.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I didn't think it was like a bad thing. It was more just like it wasn't as free flowing as like some campaigns I've seen. You were like, okay. I mean, we
2: definitely people... did some random stuff in here. No, of random.
0: There was some like crazy stuff going on. So,
2: yeah.
0: yeah, I guess it's just generally my going back to the main question. My story structure usually is like the story set, I know what's happening like from different points. And in the middle, we'll have improv, but like, I do put more emphasis on like, we got to make sure we hit these beats from time to time, so.
2: All right, so let's go to our next section. So we'll go back to, we'll start off with Ryan again as our guest. So we're going to creating a character. So I guess, um whichever campaign you want to talk about, Steve's or Cade's. Yeah, how do you go about creating your character and what kind of things do you want to get out of your character?
3: Well, as, as far as D&D goes, there's there's two real like big ways you can go about it. You can either drop off like a here's eight pages of story or here's like a couple paragraphs. Personally, I like to not hand the DM a ton of backstory just because I want them to kind of be able to let's say Leopold. Right? For For like with Cade. I said, I am a boy wizard. My dad's missing. Let's go. You know, I, it's the kind of thing where I want them to have some creative like autonomy over the character I'm playing as well. Like, I want to be able to craft a story with somebody. And I feel like if you hand over eight pages of backstory, sometimes it's like this character already had like they already have their story. You know, I, I want to be able to kind of create a character that's going to move into whatever world we're like stepping into. And hopefully I can pick up on you know what's being laid out in front of me and then i can kind of go from there
1: yeah leopold was a was a great character i think we did a lot of kind of fun character development stuff with him like yeah i guess we just had a few scenes where like you know you did a little flashback to remembering how you were like taught basically like how to control lightning from your dad at a young age and then did a lot of darkness as to well what happened to him why did he go away
3: Yeah, and then at the same time, I've I kind of failed Steve a little bit because my character for his campaign, hey, uh, I'm a murder hobo. Good luck.
0: I will say, for murder hobo, you didn't, you weren't that murder hobo we for being your backstory. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I want to be able
3: to not, you know, ruin everything by killing every NPC you put in front of
0: us. I think early on we had a moment where you're like, oh, I'm a murder hobo. Let me go. Murder hobo, this person. And so, you there was like this person you thought were kind of like, you know, it'd be an easy target and be like, oh, let me get my son real quick. And the son comes like looming out of the door, like, hey, you wanted to talk to my mom real quick? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I get it. I'm good. um
2: Yeah. I think that, like you were saying, it's, I think it's good to have be able to like work with whoever's DMing to create the character. So, I forget what campaign it is. Maybe it was Cade's where like it got to a point where my character was like probably going to die. So then, I think it was Cade was like, okay, so we can either do this or do this. And we kind of like try to customize the character a little bit to like decide. So I think if there's like a point in the story where like the DM really needs your character to like be a certain way or something or do something, I think it's definitely good to be able to work together on that kind of stuff with the characters. Because otherwise it's hard to keep the story moving. Characters kind of just like off the rail, like you don't really know a ton about them. So that's kind of, I like that.
1: Was this the character that just, like, you got so unlucky with everything that was happening to you? I
2: think so. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, we, I had a fun little, like, element, and I called it the Deck of Wonder, where you can basically, there's, like, uh, roll a roll of these de- 100-sided dice, and you can, you know, things will happen to you, good or bad. And Julie rolled and got, like, she could roll three times, so she got, like, three terrible, terrible things. Like, she only had, like, maybe 40 like, total health points, and she lost, like, 30 of them from the Deck of Wonder, which, like, you know, very, very, very slim chance that that would happen. And then I think, like, you got a ring that was, like, a self-detonation ring. So you were basically, like, turned into, like, a holy hand grenade.
2: Yeah, but I think in that one, I, like, was gonna... I think it was before that, even. Like, at some point, my character was gonna die, and you were like, you can either, like, be revived... Oh, didn't you have, like, the... Got the Brom like stab me and Zach's character and like yeah, and then you like were like oh you can just have you just be more insane instead of dying yeah so because in my
1: campaign you basically end up working for like the god of death so they were able to kind of come back from the afterlife just with some like malformations and a little lost sanity but yeah Julie how about you what about um any other like character like creating a characters that you think you've really thought about as you've changed you've played some similar characters honestly throughout some campaigns
2: yeah i'm like for sure not that good at creating characters like for D D. like i don't really th- do much backstory on them like i kind of just like have the classic character in mind like probably like a rough idea of like their personality i don't really like i think that was one. maybe it was steve's somebody had a campaign where they specifically were like guys write yourself a backstory and like send it to me and we like run around and like i think
0: that was zach's maybe zach's
2: maybe i forget somebody had a campaign where they but aside from like, if we're going to use it, I feel like I don't really do too much backstory. Cause I just want to like, like I said, I'm more in it for like the story. Like I want my character to just be part of the story and follow what the story is kind of supposed to be, which I don't know if that's the best way to do D&D. Cause the whole point is the character. So I probably don't do it the best, but that's Julie, kind of-
1: Julie's I- there for story time.
2: I like the story, <laughs> <and> really. <laughs>
3: There's nothing wrong with a good supporting character. Yeah, exactly. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, we all thank you, as (laughs) DMs. As a bunch of people
0: who really love hogging the spotlight, it's like (laughs) (laughs) one less toe to step on. cool.
2: Anyway, who wants to go next? Cage, what do you think?
1: I'm sure, yeah. I've I've had a blast creating my characters. Um, My current character I'm playing is Bo Braxton, so in Ryan's campaign, and when Ryan just introduced his world, he said it's... um, has a bunch of, how did you describe it? The paladin,
3: Religious, re- religious fanatics. I mean, th- at the end of the day, that's what they are.
1: <laughs> and I'm playing a religious fanatic. And it's great. And he's just this like paladin who there's this god, a skier, and he's just, it doesn't matter what a skier is right. And everything that's wrong in the world is my job. Self-appointed, nobody has told my character this, but it is my job to uh, vanquish it. And he's just a very, like, loud and kind of idiotic paladin that <laughs> makes a lot of mistakes and is very great for the character that Steve is playing because they are polar opposites. I think they're probably both kind of idiots in different ways. But, uh, Steve, can you just real quick introduce your character and how yeah. you envision it? I'll go more into
0: character creation specifically, but, like... Uh... For now, the one character Kate is referencing is called Curious Dullspire. Not Curious Maxwell, not to be confused with the uh ever-present force in the sunken planet. Uh but Curious Dullspire is a warlock who is socially not well adept, but is like more kind of like super blunt, doesn't really care much for like social niceties or anything. Cause like he's super obsessed with uh like learning about like the occult and whatnot. So doesn't really have, like, a filter. So if he's talking to someone, like, oh, yeah, like, I've peered into the void and the things I've seen would shatter your mind into a million pieces. And they're like, I just wanted to know what you wanted to order from the tavern, my friend. Uh, but that's very interesting to know. So him running into uh, a paladin who's very much only dedicated to, like, sh- shunning away all that is considered, like, unholy according to Skier's light, he kind of sees it as, like, this guy's an idiot. There's so much more knowledge out there. So very much, like, Bo is kind of like, he's like single track mind, like very much, uh, you know, I'm doing the right thing. And, uh, curious, I feel does a very good job antagonizing him. Cause he's like, you fool. Think of all that you're, uh, leaving behind in the dust. <laughs> and so yeah. we have our one friend who's just kind of stuck in the middle being like, because these guys are all weird. <laughs> yeah. We, we've
1: <laughs> described it. I think as, uh, the other guy's just playing this, like cowboy gunslinger guy <laughs> yeah. and Basically, Curious and Bo are the angel and devil on his shoulder. Exactly. Nice. So, yeah, like in that sense, I think kind of how I pitched it to Ryan is you know, I just wanted he developed so much more into the character that I'm playing him as now. When I first had the idea for him, he was like a basically like dedicated paladin who, you know, was a little hard-headed and a little like over-eager in his actions. But you know, has kind of turned comical, and has definitely been my favorite character that I've played in any of the campaigns. Like, I, God, who else have I played? I played a, I played a butler in Steve's campaign, and then I played a uh, for any Full Metal Alchemist fans. Yeah, basically played uh, Alphonse from Full Metal Alchemist was essentially my other character. Um they're fun to just kind of go into the worlds that people create. Cause I think everybody, like as long as you get a good DM and I think people who DM and hope maybe talk a little bit about this, but are guiding the whole story. So if they let you kind of like roll with the punches and you can play this character, how you really think they would act in a scene as it just turns into a lot of fun and can create some pretty good, good moments for it.
2: Steve, go ahead. What are you, what are you thinking?
1: So for me, the uh, character creation process
0: very much revolves around the fact that when you're doing D&D, for me, the most fun I have is the interaction between like either the characters that the DM presents, or with the characters my other, my fellow players are playing as. So I always kind of try to think of like a character archetype that'd be kind of fun to kind of maybe spin on its head slightly, or kind of play straight up uh, the way it's usually presented, and kind of sticking to that and seeing how that would kind of like create new kind of scenarios that like can happen up on the fly that like I know what my response is going to be and so I can like perhaps like infuriate or be like kind of dependable as like a character given the various situations like. One of my favorite characters I've ever played as was um, Harkin Pendel, who was like this um, like he's supposed to be like this world-renowned like tracker which is sort of like a bounty hunter and so he's very much like sure of himself very cocky but like kind of like overly charismatic about like his trade and everything. And that was a lot of fun because, you know, we'd get into town. He's like, okay, guys, here's, like, the lay of the land. Doesn't really know what's going on, but is super confident that, like, no matter what, he'll be able to devise a plan. Meanwhile, his team is, like, doing massive amounts of damage. They, like, Harkin was only there just to, like, kind of be, like, the charisma sink, basically. But it was a lot of fun. Outside of traps, you'd be like, here's the plan. And then meanwhile, Cade's playing, like, this, like, hollow suit of armor that, like, one-shots things. And Cade's, like, uh, Zach was, like, an exploding tree. And how I'm like, I put a tripwire behind us. So I think our flank is pretty well covered. And I had a blast. I was doing no damage, but we'd talk to people like, oh, this dude's the leader, the guy who does no damage. Cause like, he's the only one who's like, seems like he knows what's going on. It's a lot of fun creating a character be like, this is how they're gonna interact. Whatever they do in terms of like damage or like their abilities or whatever. Secondary, it's more of like trying to devise like, overall, are they gonna be like an antagonistic force to like the people playing? Or are they gonna be more like a supporting, force that, like kind of builds people up and just kind of like developing that character as it goes because i think we all agree we all kind of go into a campaign with an idea of what our camp- character is going to be with but like as we interact with other characters like okay well these two characters are having a little bit of a back and forth how about we kind of amp this up lower this down or whatever you know like i think the process is called like flanderization where like certain characteristics get like over exaggerated over time to the point it's like almost comical each time you know
2: um, I just have. I just thought of a quick, which I'm going to speed round this. I have a question yeah. that everybody can just give their real quick answer to. So, like, when you're DMing, how much, like, thought do you put into, like, the NPC personalities, like, when you're creating their characters?
0: I can go first on that, because I love, like, I spend a lot of time thinking about the NPCs. I think, like, I think, not, I'm not, like, trying to brag or anything, but I think, like, in our group, I have, like, a good variety of, like, different voices I can kind of rely on. And so, for me, it's very, if... There are times where people go slightly off the beaten path and they'll run into an NPC that they weren't really supposed to interact with. And uh, that's when it gets a little, like, I remember like one time we ran into Byven. Uh Ryan's character was like, I'm Ivan. What's your name? I'm like, my name's Biven. It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> but if I have time to think of a character, like, I practice in the shower and stuff like that, I have, you know, so it's... Oh, I love playing because it's when I get to actually be in the campaign again. You know, instead of just being like a far off voice, I get to be—I'll self, you know, I'm not self insert, but I get to like reemerge into this world that I've made and kind of explore it through a different character's eyes. A lot of fun. I love it.
2: All right, uh, Ryan, go <laughs> ahead. What do you think?
0: So, it's something that I feel like I've gotten better
3: at since uh, my like my first campaign, like. It's definitely a lot of fun,, so yeah, like practice the voices in the shower, and unfortunately, I still fall into the same trap where everyone becomes hey, uh, what's going on, guy? <laughs> like, it's so it's still fun though, you know, because Steve's right. you get to like kind of jump back into the action a little bit when you're playing the NPCs mm-hmm.
2: yeah, nice, nice. Good Kate, what do you think?
1: Uh, I would say I do the worst at voice acts. I have a single voice that I use. um, it's my my character voice, and there's a, few, I think there's a few characters who like do stand out, and I have pulled some characters that, I think I actually did do a de- like I remember you guys ran into Gickney. Some, like, some uh some Gikney, and it's a little and your
3: and your halfling uh, bartender guy. I, I still, I I think about that episode, and it's like I'm father, I'm mother, I'm brother. I, I die every time. It's just
0: so good. Yeah, describe those ones real quick, because I think people will like those.
1: Yeah, they they were just these, like, little high-pitched, like, weird fucking people. Like, and then I had some, like, like, hillbilly rednecks that I think I did a pretty good job with. And then I try to just have my, like, you know, booming god voice that I try to create. So, but yeah, I think when I get a really good character in mind, I love to roll with it. And then I think I have some throwaway ones, too, that are just kind of meant for maybe a bit more progressing the story in ways to railroad. But they're basically like bollards meant to just be like, don't go this way, go that way.
2: <laughs> All right. Awesome. So uh, let's move on to our third question. Um, So this one is about. So yeah, like the backstory and the lore. So the kind of the things that maybe you have set up that maybe you don't even tell the person, you know, the Characters can't think of that word.
0: Is this both for characters and for the world?
2: I mean, whatever you want to say about it,
0: Let's do both. So like, yeah, you can like jump in and stuff. You know, I don't want it's to be like, It's about Ryan. It
2: ain't about me. It's fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. What kind of backstory do you put into your
3: My most recent campaign, I kind of took a look at the campaigns we played prior and I said, all right, we have a lot of like multi-god, big, large scale, like Pantheon levels of lore. So I wanted to kind of scale that back. And like I said, I have one good god and one not so good god, basically. Um, so that's the kind of thing where, you know, I want to keep things fresh, sort of. Um, and as far as the world building wise, they they play a role. Um, we're gonna see eventually if we ever get there, uh, you know, forty episodes from now. Um, our characters might be killing gods, might be coming gods, who knows? You know. Um, but I also kind of threw this like B plot in of like a civil war going on. So it's going to be a matter of the characters can kind of either ignore it (laughs) and uh, just keep on like with the godly pursuits and that kind of thing. Or um, you never know. So as far as like the world building with the lore, you want to make enough so the world feels alive, but not like too much to where, I don't know, it kind of gets like, Like here, here's your encyclopedia, please reference it. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, keep telling you what's going on. Like, I I don't know. There's a certain level of like preparation for the like characters that kind of makes sense and it kind of feels good. And uh, if you're over uh, over oversaturated with information becomes like a chore to try and remember everything.
2: I like when you guys do the pages, like the lore pages, like a tab where you got like a map of the whole country and then you, you know, have the like gods or whoever in the on a page, I think that's helpful for her, the players. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Always nice.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think? We'll go to Steve this time. What do you think
0: for me? I definitely have like whenever I like in the campaign that I made a lot of lore that never gets touched on. It's very similar to what we've talked about before in the past of like my stories where every time I present something, I kind of trace it back like, well, why would this be the case? Why would this be the case? But it's very boring to kind of present that to like the player. So it's something like if for some reason it were to ever come up, I would have an answer for it. But I don't like kind of putting the backstory very present because at at that point it seems kind of self-indulgent. It does kind of slow down like the pace of playing and whatnot. So kind of keeping in mind the audience is very much like I may have like like an idea of like what each of the separate races did once they left the continent and what their cities are like and how like their magics played in the past. But I don't really present that. Unless there are instances where people will ask and like it's always nice to have like an answer like, oh, actually, this is like this because of this. But if you're mostly concerned about making things entertaining, I in my campaign, there were lore dumps. you can always tell those are the times where people start like, oh, what's going on on the other monitor and stuff like that. So this, like there's a, no. but the, yeah, there is always like like my stories, like there was like a lot of lore I had, like i was fully invested steve <laughs> yeah
2: i like this story come on i got it all <laughs> yeah
0: well, i mean like for example like in the campaign we didn't have like a king there was like a grand regency and in my mind there was like a very specific reason why we had like the grand regent who had very limited powers it was a thing where previous to the advent of the regencies there were like the uh tyrants which were known as like these terrible rulers that only fell when the previous tyrant was uh when the like the like the next tyrant that usurps them basically, and so the, like the like the trauma of having to deal with such strong leaders kind of led people to be like, okay, we're gonna form a new government, but that's gonna be like much weaker in scope. And so I had like this whole backstory of uh there was these many regions before the current one, and there were four tyrants before the king of Kendaro, and the king of Kendaro was notable because the X Y and Z happened, and so. No one wants to hear about, like, oh, let me tell you about, like, how the taxes are collected, even though I had, like, in my mind, the bias, like, how, like, the tax system worked and, like, why certain regions were, like, richer and whatnot and, like, what resources were, like, common to export and
1: whatnot, you know? I just picture, I I picture, like, one of the characters like, just trying to be an asshole like well how's the taxes work here
0: yeah. like, well, let me tell you you like well we happen to be in the city of Wittenberg and so during the you know <laughs> oh god, oh, god. <laughs> god I asked. look what you did yeah no 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 You're, like really
2: invested i didn't know that you had all that planned
0: oh there was a there was a lot of like you never got you guys never even met a single orc but the orcs were very fascinating you guys met the dwarves and their magic was slowly coming back but i had like Lower reasons of like okay the reasons you guys have to travel so far and then travel so far again is because dwarven magic isn't like really a thing in the in this continent but in the past the dwarves would just take people to the different locations so it wasn't that big of a deal and so since the doors are gone that's why i guess i have to take this whole trek and so
1: i love it steve steve's like let me tell my story now <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i'm not gonna
0: go too much into but I, I
1: i think that like you know that answers the question though right like part of building the lore and that background story is so fun as a dm like that's one of the best parts like even like before that episode one when you're prepping your world and you're like you know drawing your map or digitally creating it however you want to go about it and you are just like picturing the different cities and then you're like well what is this city all about exactly
0: and yeah it's
1: it is it's it's a blast and i think it's that's probably one of my favorite parts of dming is the early parts when mm-hmm. you're really like you know you're fully creating this world and it's different than when you're doing it in a novel or when you're writing a short story because there you you can write it and you can describe it as far as you want but i feel like when you get to play D and i like i love DD. i talk about it every episode on this podcast i've played so many campaigns of it then you get to just like you create like a verbal playground of it. Like all of a sudden you're you're in it and you can just let that imagination run wild. Like we've told this story and I'm sure every one of us who's playing as a character pictures the world around us completely differently. Like, oh yeah, for
2: mm-hmm. sure.
1: We talked about in Ryan's campaign, this peasant rebellion that got sparked. okay i know this and i don't know if you know this steve it was not the intention that they were so impoverished and that they but that's how you started to envision it and that started to create the world like well when we went to
0: like the shack i was like this guy lives in a one-bedroom shack i was like what and he's behind
3: the screen like (laughs) i i had that peasant section of ashford like mapped out and like no one's gonna go here but like if they do, I guess I'll have like a loose idea, like the whole tunnel system through the wells. I was like, yeah, I like the idea, but no one's going to go there. And of course, I think you rolled first. And you're like, I want to go here. I'm like, well, all
0: right. Yay. You're telling me there's like I was like, there's no way like everyone here is loving it as much as like these paladins are saying, dude. So I was like, I got to see what's like every every like very like pompous facing uh, government's always got like have like a seedy
1: backside of people being like oh you know so i wanted to see what that was like how about you julian creating the, um like your characters kind of like backgrounds lores or or how is it you as a character jumping into these other worlds that have them
2: yeah um i don't really know how much i have to say about this but yeah like i said like i don't really create a ton of backstory and but i will say okay i know we're talking about D, but i can kind of relate this to like the book that I wrote as well because like you were saying earlier, like how fun it is to like create a map and stuff for your world. And I, you know, have a map for the world that the book is set in. And I was, I, I loved it. I like spent so much time creating this map. I found like a map creator online and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. So I think that I definitely have fun creating backstory. And I have like a whole, like other books that are like the background to the book that I wrote. You know what I mean? So I definitely understand like the whole, backstory lore creation in terms of like in writing my novel as opposed to D&D. So yeah, I can relate to it that way. Um, I think it's a lot of fun to just have that because then like, you don't always use it, but I think that it makes your characters more real. If you can like, even like have a one liner in there where your character's like, yeah, like I know this because of some, but well, I have past experience about it. You don't tell anybody what it is, but like, you know what it was. So you know how that character was back to it. So yeah, I think it definitely adds to um whatever story you're telling if you have kind of a lot of background like
0: yeah i think that like tracks like basically like one-to-one we've mentioned that before on other episodes like yeah like there's stuff that's going on like you can't put every like the worlds are fully formed in our minds you can't put a fully formed world on like on a book or you get like you know no one would want to read it because it's like okay you're telling a story about this one character but before you got there you had to talk about like how fuel is extracted, like, what's, what's, what, you know? well, unless you go
3: full, like, you know, Tolkien and like, create a similar yeah, exactly, for crazy. your world. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, that's uh, awesome. It can be cool. It can be cool. But I don't know if like, I wouldn't write that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, it can be
0: cool for them. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm itching for it. Is it off the papyrus time? Is it? I think so. Yeah, we were this was supposed to be shorter and we we're like already pretty yeah, we're good. Long. Well, it. we're gonna rapid fire, maybe directed at Ryan mostly. Oh, oh no!
0: Get ready.
2: We could rapid fire around the circle. Okay, yeah, so
0: then, I have one know. for Julie. So yeah, that's right, you know. kids, suck yeah. it.
1: <laughs> well, Ryan, I guess you can go now. I'm just kidding. Do
2: we want to do the, the like pre-planned ones first? Or yeah, let's do the ones pre-planned ones,
1: right? but like just yeah, everyone, keep in mind
0: we're going to be quicker with these ones, not like full-fledged answers. So yep.
2: rapid <laughs> fire it. So first question is. What are your thoughts, or what do you like better when doing a D&D campaign, the kind of homebrew style, or more traditional sticking to the, the player handbook that Cade has behind him, anybody who's watching?
0: <laughs> wow. Prop, prop comedy. Not wow. sponsored. We are not sponsored by Wizard of the
1: Coast.
2: We'll start with, we'll start with Ryan.
0: Oh uh,
3: yeah, 5e sucks, homebrew's the way.
1: <laughs> Solid, Cade um as a dm who has had so many characters in his campaign um i like 5e because i can be lazier with the character creation and focus more on the world building
0: i will say having done like a completely homebrewed like combat system i like using homebrewed stories perhaps next time if i do a campaign we'll do a more like the handbook style of like character creation and uh combat because what i did was super janky and i'm like not again
2: <laughs> um yeah i definitely like the homebrew better because i kind of think that the handbook like, abilities for characters are like kind of boring some of them so i like to kind of having like the random extreme like does thousand damage like why
0: yeah, so I got like, to get 20. to a, a level 20 character <laughs> Yeah, I gave well, I gave Zach's
3: character tree beard like uh basically insta kill. Like yeah. binds It wasn't even insta
0: kill on one person, it was on everyone yeah. around. Yeah. It was like oh, yeah. and so I'm over here like wire set and he just jumps over it.
3: Like the thing is I, I think combat's like the least interesting part about D and D. Like the, the that character interaction that we all love so much. Like that that's what it's all about. You know, we get to do funny voices and like scream at each other. That's 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 the bread and butter, man.
1: That's such a good point, Ryan. I've thought so much about it, and I feel like I put so much effort into designing the combat for D and D, but it really is the meat and potatoes is the discussion. I yeah. like
0: the combat. I think it's very important, but I do agree. Like, uh, I think I think I put a little bit. I I put a little bit more weight in combat, but I don't want to linger on it too much. Next next question. <laughs> All
2: right, rapid fire. Next question. So we got. Talk about some time management. So uh, we all have full-time jobs, so we don't just do podcasts at D&D. So uh, how do you kind of, you also do all the editing, right, Ryan?
3: I am fortunate enough to have a job where every now and then I have time where I can just kind of sit down, like write down some thoughts or, you know, I'm the guy that messes with the spreadsheets for all of our D&D campaigns. Like, I don't know, I I have, usually I have enough time to kind of sit down for a little bit and do it at work as well but it's all about coming home after working eight to 16 hours and staring at my computer screen some more and you know <laughs> editing something making up a new map and incarnate I, I've I've gotten into yeah I've, I've gotten into just designing all of these like towns and cities and incarnate and the whole world map and it, like it, it, it's fun it's fun but at the same time it is hard to find you know the, the will to do it sometimes but
2: yeah for sure who's next?
0: Steve. Uh, for time management? Yep. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm on the luckier side because like I am like, I do have a kind of like a relatively set schedule. Unless I'm traveling, I'm pretty consistent. It's like the standard like I go into the office at around seven, get home around like five, I'm going into the office. But between the day, I'll have downtime where I can work on like I have Picked up this journal so I can write things down that I want to track and whatnot. So it's easier for me, definitely of the group, you guys have more like schedules that are in flux. So I'm always just like whenever we're available, most of the time I can make it. There have been times recently where it's like, oh, actually other life uh, commitments come up, but that's not really time management. It's more of like just kind of planning around things. So for me, as long as we have like a clear time schedule, it's easy for me to kind of like ble- plan and lead up coming up to the set So
1: yeah how about you Cade? I think uh it's it's hard honestly I think I'm surprised they've kept me on this podcast for so long because there's so many times where we're deciding when can we record our next episode and I'm like, well, I'm free three weeks from now and we're like, well, we're trying to release episodes at a bi-weekly basis. How is this gonna work and I mean my life is like rapidly evolving right now so in, in the time that we've started recording this podcast, I am now going to be having a baby coming in April. I am moving across states, I'm getting a new job, um, planning like a wedding. But, I think it's so important to be making time to do some of the things that you love and feel really passionate about. So, all of us here are very passionate about this kind of, this creative writing, um, mostly right now I think D&D is a big focus on mine, and it's important that I take the time, when I can, to kind of do those experiences. So I think, it's kind of just a focus on your priorities and if you feel like you know, you're know you the type of person who is really getting a lot of enjoyment from doing creative writing or um, making maps and incarnate, whatever it is you want to be doing.
3: Staring at Google Sheets, messing with formulas <laughs> and conditional formatting to turn things red when you have a negative modifier. Google the Sheets best. is
1: fantastic. It's so satisfying. I know and, the end result's great. <laughs> and I just think it's important to like find the time for it. There's a way, you know, it, you don't need to spend every like moment of your life and like, you know, like you're saying, Steve, take the time to do those life commitments. And you always do. You, you got to do the things that, you know, matter on, on a whole screen. But I think it's just important to kind of do those like self care moments where you're doing something just for yourself to kind of like, you know, anybody who's going to listen to this is going to be somebody who loves kind of that creation aspect that comes with everything we're talking about. So taking the time to do that is, I just think, really important for for yourself. And
2: yeah, that was a real feel-good, inspirational answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Someone who's, like, looking for like actual tips from, like... What? <laughs> but it is good. It is good, though. I think it's like, you know, like prioritizing. Yeah. Preach
3: yourself.
1: Well, I think you guys are like, ah, eh, your answers are, it's not too hard, really. I can do it at work. I could not do it at work. <laughs> Generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I asked this question because I wanted an answer to it. Then
0: we are all like, I don't know, I just go at home. Like, you know, I get home at a healthy time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I for sure am in the same boat as everybody else. I literally work like three days a week like 11 hours, three days a week. So like, I literally you have four work days,
3: off three week. days. Are you kidding yeah, me? I work
2: 11 hour shifts, like three days a week. That's full time. There you go.
1: Man, I gotta that go. Like, that's so worse than me. I literally I thought have four I days, days off a
2: week, so I got tons of time to do this kind of shit. Just
0: Damn, kidding. that's sick. Okay, now I don't feel bad that you wrote like 30 novels in a day.
2: Nah, <laughs> man, I got so much time to do this stuff.
0: Like what else, it's like, what else are you gonna do?
2: I have nothing else to do.
1: Yeah, that's uh, fair. I gotta, this question did not get answered how I thought it was going to.
2: Anyway.
0: All right. What's the next question?
2: Okay. Okay. This is the last like pre-done question. Then we can go into what anybody. Has. So the last question was, um, I guess this is kind of similar to the time management question. Like how much prep work are you doing for um, D&D campaigns or even like when you're doing a podcast as well? Um, I know Ryan, like I said, you're doing a lot of the editing for the other podcast, right? So how much kind of prep work or like back end work are you doing? It kind
3: of depends. Uh, a lot of how I plan for D and D is, I get my big story beat I want to get accomplished in whatever session we're doing. um I'll have you know a, a little map of the town we're in. I'll have some shops ready, and uh, I'll just kind of say, "All right, I'm gonna go to bed because I just you know worked a shit ton. <laughs> I'm gonna wake up and I'm just gonna do it." So for the most part, D and D is like a I plan it maybe two three weeks ahead sometimes, and I just kind of hope it goes well. And for the most part, it's been going really well. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, but as far as like Not Three Bad goes, uh, it's just a matter of watching the movie, uh, maybe taking some notes and waiting for really whenever we can all get together and record. As far as the back end for editing stuff, i, I got to stop like plugging random software and websites they use, but... Like Riverside makes it pretty easy, uh, you know. Just kind of grab the tracks, throw them an audacity in audacity, and for the most part, we've sorted out audio issues to where like I don't even have to really do a whole lot. Maybe cut out a couple snippets and that kind of thing. So honestly, it's not too bad anymore. The thought of getting into it was kind of more of a roadblock than anything.
2: So you're not cutting out a lot of stuff. Like you don't do like a lot of heavy editing. Leave most of it. Mostly, like, we are
3: perfect have. at not three bad. I really. used
2: to <laughs> see how much I edited. <laughs> Yikes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just
3: kidding. It's usually
2: bad. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I had, I usually had got like 10, 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. Hmm. that's normal though. Yeah. yeah.
1: K- can I answer next to give yes, more explanation ahead, to ahead. Julie's answer right there? Um to D I do way too much planning ahead of time for combat that goes unappreciated for I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> Appreciated. Don't say that. It's great. I love combat. Combat's the best.
1: For uh, for this podcast, I do no planning at all.
2: Yeah, you don't even like think about the questions ahead.
1: So, so I can't imagine why you have ten minutes of content to cut out, Julie. That's <laughs> so surprising to me. Oh, I think from what Julie was saying,
0: I might be a part of it too. <laughs>
1: okay, guys, I'm the only one who
2: takes notes and plans ahead on the
0: podcast. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is that she, rough editor notes. <laughs>
2: I think of it in editing notes and then I just go, let me roast Steve real <laughs> <laughs>
0: quick. I was like, I didn't know we were doing this, but yeah, okay. No, like it is a good
2: What's
0: note. your answer? What's your answer, Steve? So for d and I did a lot of, it would vary because like I would plan a lot expecting every single time I'd plan a lot to happen in an episode and we would only get like halfway through. So that would mean next time we played, I didn't have to plan nearly as much because it was like. Just pick up where we ended last time. So it would be like a few hours to like nothing at all, depending on what happened previously. Uh, for the for this podcast, um, it varies on what the topic is. If it's something where I don't have like a solid idea of like what my answers would be to a given question, I have to sit down and think about it, or write down my thought processes for certain things. But if it's something I feel I've given more thought to in the past, I don't feel like I have to plan that much really because I already have like kind of what, my beliefs or my thought processes already kind of settled. So it's not something that has to be examined in order to like create a proper response. So.
2: Yeah. Well, you did a lot of work for, um, when we were reading the sunken planet, we did a lot of editing and that was, you know, you yeah, I feel that. like
0: that's, that's different. Cause it's like, if I'm presenting something to the world, I want to make sure it's like, we're all ready to be ready to present it in a, like a finished somewhat finished manner, you know, even
1: then, like we, when it came to the reading, yeah, I was just like, New line. Get ready.
2: Yeah, you can just like improv, like
1: all your life. Ryan, for context, there, um, Steve would read not the right sentence sometimes. Steve, do you have issues with sentences? No, like I'm you just, just make it up. Yeah, you know.
2: Like I don't like what this character says on the spot. Changes all of the dialogue. He wrote <laughs> it.
1: a story. He wrote.
2: He wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah, I mean, I have other off op- the pirates, but I feel like I've asked all the questions so far. So who else? Has I can go
0: for one real quick um we've talked about them a little bit but like everyone we've all played characters what's the favorite character you've played like in the campaigns we've all been in julie you want to go first
2: oh god good question i feel like i play similar characters like we said that earlier but i feel like i play similar characters in a lot of them so i honestly don't even they all kind of blur together (laughs) all
0: right that's fair the one character
2: (laughs) they're all kind of the same i mean I don't really differentiate. You just do airdrop
3: far. Julie into a campaign. It's just Julie.
2: <laughs> really? No, really. I just play myself. Like, I don't
0: yeah. know. <laughs> this time she has a bow. Yeah. She's always had a bow. She always has a bow. <laughs> she does always
1: have a bow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> I, have,
2: about, do I have a bow uh, this time? Don't I have daggers. I don't
1: know. We'll give yeah, you a bow soon. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a Whatever. All right. How about you then, Cade? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be Bo Braxton. It's just, It's just so fucking fun. I think about him when i'm not playing sometimes that's fair weird Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah
3: leopold Lightfellow, man boy Damn. boy boy sorcerer gotta love him even though he turned into a
0: weird like scorched the horrible oily kid but ah, uh, true uh, how about you man <laughs> i don't know like i've played some good anyone who's not soap scum basically because soap wasn't a character i think it might be harkin but i like i like a lot of the characters i played like vin's fun Harkon was fun because he wasn't an asshole. Everyone else was like an asshole to the party. So
2: I had a similar question to that, Steve, except it was the favorite character, like as a DM, like which character that somebody else played was your favorite to have in your story kind of thing.
0: That's interesting. Okay. Someone else go first.
1: (laughs) Okay. I got it. I got an answer. My mine is definitely going to have to be Steve's character, Loom Par, because in a party of like eight characters, he spoke the most and really helped me like like I'd like pitch ideas and sometimes we met with fucking like stares. And I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do? How could I progress this story? I don't even think it was like bad, like it was oh. real story. But yeah. it's like nothing is happening. I like Oh
2: no.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> funny.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in a future episode we can carry more because I would like to air my grievances. At some... It's so dramatized right now. It is not even like that. But like it's I funny. I had a good time with it. But
2: That's funny. in
1: a big campaign, a lot just gets washed out. And it's yeah. hard to do uh... yeah, sure. yeah. The issue
3: with being in the big campaign, too, is like, I don't know. Sometimes you don't you don't want to jump in and steal the spotlight all the time. Like as someone who considers himself like more of like an RPR who's like really into D and T, like I don't want to always jump in and be like, "Yes, we should take the
0: party here." Yeah, that's why I love playing like asshole characters because I'm always like, "I'm going to center stage myself." Oh yeah, like all my characters are all self-centered, so I'm very much like. Sometimes I I do notice like if there's like a lull, I'll be like, "Hey, <laughs> let me hop in here real quick." Yeah.
2: Who was your favorite? Right? Who was your? Did you have like a character that?
0: Pro-
3: probably curious at the moment. Hey, let's top go. top of my top of
1: my head. curious, <laughs> man. It's very good.
3: It's not fair because Kate, you know Kate will text me like, "Hey, can we do this?" I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, like it's like that off screen, yeah, sure. like interaction for a character development too.
0: Part of it is we have like a like a straight man and funny guy situation going on though, like with me and Bo. So you know,
1: sure. it's, like, yeah.
0: well, you, it's always hard to appreciate like the setup guy, you know. Thanks, man. No, wow. Exactly. No, I'm. Not, that's not. A, oh, no. I didn't mean it as like an insult. Oh, I mean God. like, yeah. Both plays it straight, and Curious is like, hmm. I don't know about
1: that. It's like ha ha ha. You know. I think they're both uh, like almost the most developed characters we've played. Like, yeah,
0: no, that's they for are sure. very
1: true to themselves for the character, which is which is great. Steve, you got a favorite character in yours? Shoot, I'm trying to think.
0: I think maybe. Maybe Gimdar, cause it's very funny. Like, ha- giving like, k- like Eric into the campaign was like I'm gonna play like an Enchanter or someone who's like a support. I was like, okay, I gave him like you're gonna. I, there's no magic in my land. You're gonna be like the first magical character that's gonna like, and you're gonna be at the party. You're gonna be able like you can sing to weapons to like make them stronger. And he's like, that's sick. And like uh, I added a gun to the campaign never once did he enchant anything he was just shooting reload shoot reload and he'd miss all the time it was hilarious he had the ability to like teleport people with his hammer and everything he could like make arm give permanent armor buffs for like the duration of a fight and he was like I, i'm shoot i missed i'm reloading
3: are you telling me your favorite character isn't
1: rob's character it uh, was classic. Oh, rock. Rob's
0: character was great. I Actually, no, I, it would make you <laughs> grapple, like, a giant component of a fight, like, permanently, and I would be like, I really needed that dude. Please let him go. <laughs> I
2: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. I got a quick one. Uh, do you guys like larger or smaller party sizes, generally speaking? Smaller. And smaller. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like so. That's like yeah. So like, what do you guys think the disadvantage of like? Okay, go ahead. Air your grievances. What's the disadvantage of a larger party? What's the matter with it?
1: Especially since we do it in a digital format, it's just it's too easy to talk over each other. So to co- to combat that, people don't talk as much. So you can't like how I said I like to DM is I like it to be very character focused but I got a bunch of characters who were kind of afraid to talk. So it just was like, I don't know how to move. It just got to a point where I felt like I was kind of hitting a dead end with the characters. And I, you know, we played over 30 episodes and it got to a point where I was just kind of like, I don't feel like they got to a point that they should be at in 30 episodes. And that just got to be like a frustration of it with so many characters. And like, I think everybody had a good time with that. I don't think anybody would say that it was like a bad campaign, but I think it just became a lot of work to like main also DM you got to maintain eight character profiles, which is hard. And then it, it's just like, it doesn't give characters enough time to shine individually. Yeah. The, my grievance of it. That's fair. I
2: think it's fair. Yeah.
3: The reason our current campaign is going so well is because, uh, you know, you two and Eric just are doing such a beautiful job. Like I said, <laughs> Before, it's such a cohesive, but still, you know, there's a little bit of tension in the unit and it, it's just it's great. I get to watch it and then antagonize you.
2: <laughs> How many characters are in that for four characters?
3: Three. and now they, all, they mm-hmm. just picked up a new DMPC. Oh, OK. That's. As a DM, you can drop in like a recurring NPC that, you know, they can bring with the party. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to get in on the action. You know, you still can.
1: We should probably start to wrap up here.
2: Yeah. Do we have any other? Qu- did everybody answer? Did you want to give a quick answer to that, Steve? I don't think. You...
1: I think a smaller
0: one is because I, I, like, I, I think in D and D, I do generally tend to like. I'm not going to be. I I'm more upfront. And be like, okay, this is happening. I'm, I'll give my input, and so I feel less bad about giving my input when there's like a le- less people. Because it's not like I'm talking over like seven other people, kind of like saying, "Guys, we're all doing this," and you know, with like me and. Uh, Kate and Eric, like, the three of us can just be like, I'm, we're doing this, and, like, Kate's character be like, I don't want to do that. You know, it's easy for other people to give their opinion as opposed to being like, eh, I guess someone said we're doing that, so we're all doing that, you know? So Smaller definitely does feel like
1: it's more intimate.
0: All
2: right. Um, does anybody else have any questions? Cade, did you think come up with anything
1: well? I guess just, you know, yes, no. Like, how much does it uh, suck or how great is it to sto- tell a story with dice? It is weird because, like, you do want
0: things to, like you feel like sometimes things get buried or things get exposed at a pace that you wouldn't want. You know what I mean? And you do have to kind of like, especially depending on how like committed you are to like, if someone does poorly, their character can die. You have to kind of build in like unnatural fail safes that kind of like lessen the impact of certain events. Like, okay, you rolled five ones in a row. You should be dead. You know, okay, so, oh no. uh, Look over there, you know? So it feels like you do have to kind of... Adding, like, randomness to your story is always going to, like, add a little, like, less
1: control. But that's the nature of the beast, you know? Yeah, it's but fun. It is fun. I, I, I agree.
2: I feel like it could be disappointing, like, if you really want something to happen and you, like, get a bad role, like, as a player. You're like, man, I really want to do this.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: And the DM's like, sorry, you can't see that. Like, you know
0: what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you can tell the DM's up to something and they're like... I rolled the one, like, you don't see anything. You're not suspicious yeah. at all. And and you're like, no, like, yeah. I'm super suspicious, you know? <laughs> yeah, the less my character knows, the more I'm like, don't go.
2: <laughs> okay, Ryan, did you come up with any questions? Uh, in our-
0: the papyrus is clean.
2: Your papyrus is clean, I guess. You got right?
1: everything off of it. You're well yeah. done. But That's the goal. <laughs> I guess I just want to want to say thank you, Ryan, for, for taking the time to join us on this uh, this episode of the Right Around podcast tonight. Now, any plugs that you would like to do for for yourself, and maybe you know, I might benefit as well. I just want to
3: say thank you guys. This was fun as hell. This is almost like a little D and D wrap up show kind of thing. A little, little Patreon kind of style podcast is great. Plugs, uh, yeah, not three bad, not three bad. Just look it up. It's great at Not Three Bad Pod on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can also catch D and D. You can see all of Kit. Well, most of Cade's latest campaign all the episodes of my latest campaign and then uh, Zach's campaign too, if you're interested in that uh, on slug dog TV on YouTube.
2: Yes. Well, thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Uh, What are we uh, talking about next?
0: Yeah, I think next week, the theme of that episode is themes. So please join us once again here on the right around podcast, as we explore how we as a group develop our individual themes and our stories over arching themes and, you know, everything of that nature. Until then, have a wonderful day. Thank you.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.